Thank you, Lord, that in your presence, everything else fades away. The qualms of life, Lord, the burdens we carry upon our shoulders, the injuries in our heart, Lord, all of that fades away in the glory of your light and your grace. And we thank you for that, Lord. That in that moment, in this moment, Lord, we can find you. We can find healing. We can seek, Lord, your holiness and your perfection and your grace. And know that when we do that, we'll be changed forever. So help us, Lord, to become seekers of the Most High. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but me, Paul David Williams... I was naughty. In fact, I'm still naughty. I'm just naughty in a better way now. Um, but as a little boy, I was incredibly naughty. Yes, it was my mother's worst nightmare. If there was mischief, I was there and I was involved. And um, one of my favorite things was to throw things in water and watch them float away. And it didn't particularly matter what I threw in. Some of them sank, to my surprise. Um, but it was absolutely... a um, it intrigued me to throw branches into water or little sticks and um, eventually it would be logs and then it would be trees and we'd find anything to throw in. Now, I was born in PE but I moved to Kronstadt in the free state, hence the accent. Um, uh, when I was about 10 years old and so in Kronstadt, you got the false river there, and that was my playground. That is where we hung out, and that's where we got up to an incredible amount of mischief, throwing things in. And, you know, sometimes you throw it in, and you think it's going to go nowhere because the river's all calm. You can't see it's moving, yet everything still floated away. And our life is much like a river. It's, it's moving, Sometimes it's calm, sometimes a bit more turbulent, but our life is a river. It just depends which way we're flowing. Are we going with a flow like everyone else? Or have we actually said, I'm going to be different and I'm going against the flow? Every river has got a source, usually in a mountain, sometimes in a natural spring. And our source, our river of life for believers is Jesus. And the object is to get back to the source. So if we go with a flow like the rest of the world, we're getting further and further away from Jesus, and we actually got to turn our boat around and start rowing towards him. And it takes a little bit more effort. It takes actually putting in and doing things to enable you to get to Jesus. You see, anyone can go that way. That's the easy part. You just float and you're going to end up where everyone else ends up one day. But when we realize that this, this life of ours, this river we're upon, is going to cause our death one day and our eternal destruction, then we invite Jesus in. And Jesus walks on that water towards us, and he gets into our boat, and he says, right, we're turning this around, and we're going back to where we came from. We're going to the Father, and he rose with you. But when you stop, he stops. When you start floating backwards, he gets out of the boat again. And this is why, as Christians, we need to be aware that we are in or on the river of life. 
And we can go that way, or we can go his way. When we were in, in Namibia, Pastor George Lehman from Cape Town gave a, a message on drifting. And I got a lot of what you're going to hear today from that message because I thought it was that good. John Piper said, The mark of a true child of God is he does not drift for long. So we all drift. It doesn't matter how holy you are. It doesn't matter if you, if you ate your puppies this morning and if you read the Bible and if you're a pastor or if you've got a doctorate in theology. It doesn't matter. Every believer at some stage drifts. It just depends how long you drift for and how far you drift away. A believer recognizes, I've drifted. I've moved from God. He's here. I'm now here. I'm going to repent and I'm going to get back as quickly as possible. That is the difference between people who stay in Christ and those who drift away completely. The problem with drifting is you never drift upstream. You always go downstream further away from Jesus. And it takes you a lot of effort to get to where you were. You've got to then really repent, put in the hard work to only get back to the place you were at. But if you hadn't drifted back, you were actually supposed to be over here already. Now you've got even harder work to be where you should have been, but you're always just a little bit behind of where you could have been in Christ. So we need to recognize as believers this drifting, the consequences thereof, and what causes us to drift. Often, you're not even aware that you are busy drifting. It just sort of happens. Sometimes you realize it soon, but mostly, you just get further and further away from Jesus. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to be so in tune with what God is doing and what God is saying. And we need to be on our guard against drifting. Because it's easy. It just happens. In 2 Peter 3, verse 17 and 18, it says, Therefore, dear friends... Since you have been forewarned, which you are being forewarned this morning, be on your guard that you may not be carried away, you may not drift away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. Where's your position? In Christ, child of God, adopted into the family. But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Drifting takes no energy. takes absolutely no effort. All you've got to do is pull up your anchor or stop rowing, and there you go. It happens, people. It happens to me. It happens to you. But it usually starts to happen when we stop doing spiritual things, when we stop reading the Word, or we don't read it as often, or we're just doing it out of habit. It happens when we're not praying enough, or we're not praying at all. It happens when we start skipping church. It happens when we don't partake in spiritual things, when we move slowly away from the truth that is Jesus Christ. And Paul warns the Hebrews, because he notices this drift in their life. He notices they are moving away from what they know to be the truth. And he says to them in Hebrews 2 verse 1, We must pay the most, the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so we do not drift away. 
pay careful attention. Pay the most careful attention. Take note. Be aware. Be discerning. You know, the devil is sly. And he prowls around and is looking for people. Thank you, Debbie, my water girl. He's looking for people who have dropped their guard. He have look, he's looking for people who are just not putting in the right amount of effort into the right things. And he comes in the disguise of, I'll do it later. Or you know, skipping one day is not so bad. Or surely it won't matter. Or God will understand. Or I don't have time right now. And surely over time, some of you might even say, oh, I'm so tired, I just need to rest. Before you know it, you're busy drifting. When we stop doing the spiritual things, we get onto the stream that flows away from Jesus. And if only we could realize, if we stop doing the wrong things, the right things will become more natural to us. And consistency is the key, not habit. Don't come to church out of habit. Okay? Don't come to read your Bible out of habit. Don't pray out of habit because your heart is not really in it then. You might as well just have drifted away. But when you consistently come to church, you consistently read the Word, you consistently pray, you consistently hang out with God's people because you've got a desire to, because you've got a passion to, because you know this is what God wants of you and you're willing to spend that time with God, to grow in God, then you are arming yourself against the drift away. But you've got to consistently do the things of God with the right attitude of the heart. Now, the more we read, the more we pray, the more we attend to spiritual things, the more we grow and the more we're able to show Jesus because we're moving closer to the source who is Jesus. And the closer you get to him, the, cl the more you begin to look like him. And the problem is when we begin to drift, it's not only ourselves that get impacted. Other people are impacted by the shipwreck that becomes your life. Because when you get washed up on the shore somewhere downstream, it wasn't only you that shipwrecked. There's other people on board with you, your family, your friends, your church. You can think as a mom and a dad, if you decide I'm skipping church today, that means your kids don't end up in children's church. If you decide, I don't feel like praying anymore, you're not equipped for the day to impart to your children or your wife or your husband or your friends. If you decide I'm not skipping, I'm skipping church, you're missing out on the gathering of the saints. You're missing out on the edification, the building up that happens here. And that impacts the body of Christ because they miss you when you're not here because you've got a role to play in the body. You see, we know the truth, people. We, we know what the Bible says. We know the word that is spoken to us through, through the Bible, who's spoken over us by other people. And Paul is writing to Timothy, and he warns him. He's, but he also describes graphically what happens to a drifter. You know what the Americans call a homeless person? A drifter. You're without a home. You're a slug when you should have been a snail. You don't have a house. Now Paul is warning Timothy. It says, Timothy, my son, 
I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to the faith and a, and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. That's like harsh, eh? Because they drifted. They won't listen. Let them learn. They'll shipwreck somewhere. Hopefully they call out to Jesus and he'll go and he'll rescue them again. But think how far back they are in terms of where they should have been. Think how far back we often get. But Paul says to Timothy, remain focused, steadfast, and remain going forward. Remember the word. In this case, it was a spoken word. In our case, more often than not, it's the written word. Remember that and draw on that when you feel you want to give up rowing, when you are just tired and you don't have the zeal to get into the word or to pray. Remember what God has said to you. Remember what God has said about you. Remember the promises of God and remember you're a child of God. You have to be rowing. We have to get to the source. Or you can become a Hymenaeus. You can become an Alexander. You can give yourself over to Satan. But that's stupid. Just keep rowing. And if you're tired, get a friend. Say, come help me. I'm in a bad place. I need some help. Yeah, just pray with me. Stand by me. I need strength from you. And that friend will take you to the foot, the foot of the cross. He'll take you to the throne of Jesus and help you Get, regain your strength and get back up and carry on. Because I'm warning you today, the further you drift away, the faster the water becomes. Rather stop. Be honest and say, I need help. Who's going to help me? And God will send someone to you. I wonder who God's speaking to today. I wonder who's here this morning that really needs this message. I know I needed it. God is saying to you this morning, my son, my daughter, I'm forewarning you. You're not where you're supposed to be. But I'm willing to help you today get back to where you should have been. But then you've got to start rowing again. See, this morning is about you rowing again. Getting in that boat and say, Jesus, I need you with me. I'm giving you the one or I'll take the other. You see, some of the signs, and we need to know the signs, some of the signs of drifting, oh, I've mentioned some of them. You're spending less time in the Word and in prayer than what you should be. How much time are you spending? Are you spending enough? Or can you be honest and say, not as much as I should, or not as much as I could. In fact, I'm not spending any time anymore in the Word of God. Seems I just got too much on my plate. And I can't commit to any time with God to spend in prayer or reading His Word. In Psalm 1, David, David describes the type of life that comes from a commitment to the things of God. And I think tonight we'll go into this psalm a little bit deeper. It says in Psalm Psalm 1 from verse 1 to 3, Blessed, blessed is the one who 
who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but those who delight in the is whose delight is in the law of the Lord, in the word of God, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I wish there were other people here this morning. Because they drifted. Where are they? Oh, the weather. Long weekend. Jeez. Jesus doesn't care if it's raining. He doesn't care if Tuesday's a holiday. He's here. And he wants his people with him. You see, we are trees planted by living water. A tree doesn't have, because the season changes in their life, pull up its roots and I'm going to go plant myself here. God has planted you here for a purpose. Don't ever say to God, oh, the season's over. He's planted you in a ministry for a purpose. We must stop using the excuse, the season is over, or I'm in a dry period. You're not. You're planted next to the living water. Your roots are supposed to be deep. You drift away when you died, when your roots have shriveled up and your tree falls over. Because you haven't got deep in the things of Christ. Jesus also warns us in Matthew. He says, watch and pray. Read and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Whose flesh is weak? Honesty, I love that. He has weak flesh. Weak still waiting for my wife to cook me good, healthy, quick course. Man, I missed that when I was away. But my flesh is weak. But if I'm in the Word of God, if I'm reading, if I'm praying, if I'm connected with God's people, then the Spirit becomes willing to overcome the flesh. But I've got to be in the right place with the right people. The second sign is you spend less time with God's people. I love the scripture. Psalm 122 verse 1. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. In the message it says, my heart jumped with joy when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. I love it. Aren't you excited to get up on a Sunday thinking, I can go to church on a Wednesday. I can go to life group. You must rejoice with the opportunity you've got to be here. Many people don't have that opportunity. But it's a, it's a labor for some of us. Oh, church this morning. I'd rather just lie in. Why do you go to church? Well, because God commands it. God says you must go to church. And you go because it's good for you. And all this is for you. So you can be edified and built up and you can become the church. People, we need to stop drifting. I know the beach is cool. But it will be cool after church as well. I know riding bike on a Sunday morning is amazing. It's amazing any morning, any time of the day. I know 
sometimes you're tired, but this is where you get energized. I know you say, I've got so many things I've got to do. You know what? God expects you to plan better because this should be a priority. I actually think we should do research. I think people who attend church on a Sunday perform much better at work on a Monday. Eh? Yeah. I remember the times we skipped church. Not only did I feel guilty, but you look, like, you pop. Monday, ooh. Now Monday, jump out of bed. Hey, I can be the church today because I've got word. I've been energized. I've been built up. Check my spiritual muscles. Okay, now you didn't see any when I did that, but <laughs> imagine it. Okay? This scripture should challenge you to stop drifting. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. And let us consider, okay, us, how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We're not going to do that on our WhatsApp group. See ya. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Those are the ones who aren't here this morning. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Imagine the day approaches, and Jesus enters the river at this spot, but you've drifted to this spot. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. We've got to stop drifting. This helps you. This gets you to where you should be. And these people are your people. It's your family. God has placed you here. Except the Kuruman people. They've got a wonderful pastor in Pastor Graham and Pastor Yoss. Yeah. But today they are. Because they're going to go back and say, Hey, stop drifting. We're going to start rowing. And then the third sign is you become critical, complaining, and complacent. Yes, have you heard? Some of you are you Christians. How you can moan and groan about church. Ooh, the coffee. I agree with you. I don't drink any coffee. That's not coffee. It's chicory mix. But you'll find fault. Oh, the chairs are skewed. That lady at the door didn't smile at me. Praise and worship was too loud. And I didn't know that song. The message. The pastor was picking on me again this morning. I'm not coming back here. You find fault with everything and you start moaning and groaning and complaining and you become so negative. No one wants to hang around with you and you wonder why you're all alone. Because you're a lemon. You're sour. Because you drifted. You don't have the joy of the Lord anymore. And then you become complacent and you stop serving. I'm sending around a volunteer list after this, okay? <laughs> you stop serving, and you stop attending your life group, or you start skipping life group. And drifters are usually easily offended people because they're feeling guilty, so they take objection to everything that is said or done, and they get easily offended. And then you start showing some character deficiencies because you're allowing stuff into your life, stuff that you know are not always right, 
but you allow it in because you're not in Christ, you're living over here, or you're getting further and further away. So this stuff becomes easier for you to do, but deep down inside you know this is wrong. But it takes control of you because you've allowed it to. And then you compromise on your faith and you compromise in all areas of your life. Drifting is serious business. It's detrimental to your spiritual health. It's time we get back. And we all drift, people. All of us. But some of us just don't drift as far. But you've got to recognize where you are in Christ. Are you at the place you need to be? Are you at the place you want to be? Are you at the place where He wants you to be? Or are you just a little bit off? Because you see, to each of us is given a measure of faith. And if we would only build on that faith, we could stop the drift. If we would add to the faith the stuff that the Bible asks us to add to it, if we would spend time with God, if we would grow in God, if we will allow ourselves to become more mature in the things of Christ, we will drift less and less and less. I think some people, I watch their lives, doesn't look like they're rowing anymore. They're so in with God, it looks like he's put an outboard motor on their boat. And I want to be like that. I want to be there. I don't want to be here. Because I know Jesus has equipped me to be there. But I've allowed myself to be led astray, so I'm over here. And this morning, we need to add to our faith. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5 to 6 and 8 to 11 says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Make every effort. Read the word. Pray. Attend spiritual things. Grow in Christ. Add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance. Godliness. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive and drifting away in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, therefore, my brothers and my sisters, are you my brothers and my sisters this morning? Amen. Therefore, make every effort to confirm your calling. You've been called by God. You've been adopted into the family. You are part of something much bigger. You are in Christ Jesus. So make every effort to confirm your calling and you, your election. And you've been elected to become far more than you currently are. You've been elected to imitate the Son. And He's over there. He's not drifting back here. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. You will never stop rowing. And you will receive a rich welcome in the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. As the praise and worship team comes back. Jesus speaking to the seven churches, but there's one church in particular that is addressing. And he's talking to them about fading away, about drifting down the stream of life. And he's talking to the church in Ephesus 
and this morning is talk, talking to B Church in George. And he says in Revelation 2 verse 1, and I've chosen the Amplified because it speaks, it says it so nicely, but I have this charge against you, that you have left your first love, you have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. That is the bottom line of drifting. You've lost your first love. May that not be you. May it not be me. May it not be any of us. I don't want us to lose our first love. I believe we are put here to grow in love because Christ wants us to be love. But we need to love the Father with all that is within us. And through that we'll be able to love others. But then we first need to stop drifting. We want to be the church, don't we? Isn't that what we're called to do? You can't be the church if you're not at the place God wants you to be. You can't be the church if you don't love like you're supposed to be love. And if you've lost your first love, it's almost impossible. You might have not lost it. It might just have waned a little bit. You might have put other things above it. But that's a drift. Anything you're giving higher priority to than God is a drift factor in your life. People, we need to stop. God's talking loud this morning. And we're all guilty. But today, we've got an opportunity to say, I've been forewarned. And not only have I become a hearer of the word, but I'm going to become a doer of the word, Lord. I'm going to take a stand today, and I'm going to stop the drift. I'm inviting you into my boat so we can row together. If you find yourself this morning that you've drifted, even if it's just a little bit. I want you to stand, and I'm standing first. If you're not spending as much time with God as what you should, if you're neglecting the Word, you're neglecting spiritual things, if you want to be closer to God and closer to Jesus, and you're not at the place where you should be, stand. Every single person is standing this morning. And that's how it should be, because we all are not exactly where we are supposed to be in Christ. Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Lord, that this morning, as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters who are one in you and one before you, Lord, we declare as this body, as this church, as individuals, Lord, that we stop the drift in Jesus' name. And we speak against everything, Lord, that has come between you and come between us, Lord. And we cancel our wrongs through the blood of Christ for what you have done for us. And we ask, Lord, you forgive us for drifting away. We repent this morning and we say, Lord, you welcome back into the boat with us. Take the oar, Father God. Put your hand to the oar with us, Lord, and help us to row. Guide us, Father God. Show us the obstacles that lie ahead of us and the way around them, Lord God. But Lord, the biggest obstacle we realize today is ourselves. Holy Spirit, deal with us as individuals and deal with us as the body. To you be the glory, Lord God, forever and ever and ever. 
as we turn our eyes upon you, Lord. We thank you that the things of this world, the things that made us, made us drift, they will go strangely dim right now, Lord God. And all we will see and all we will experience is your glory and your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.